Hey, this is the Babe for Cast. This is an 18 plus podcast, so please don't listen to it unless with children in the room. Unless they are, you know, adult children, I guess. Anyways, please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the cast of Baby Furs, aka the Baby Fur Cast, episode 13, with me, Fluffy Nate. Haven't we been calling ourselves the cast? The cat. We oh are the God. cast. We are the cast of the baby fur. <laughs> the cast of the. Wow. The okay. Yes. So, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, guys, gals, non-binary pals, uh, to episode thirteen. Uh, so, in the wake of Father's Day, Daddy's Day, we have a very special guest who is a daddy. Uh, I believe you know him. I believe you love him. Um, he's a very interesting charismatic man and in my opinion uh jimmy wester hello he's a very interesting charismatic man i've never been described as charismatic in my life i I would describe you as a person i pay ten dollars to a month oh that makes you sound like a pimp (laughs) yeah that just that, that could mean a lot of things (laughs) <laughs> that could mean I was I was your tax man. It could mean that I was the person who came around to do your electricity, or it could be you were soliciting me for sex. It could be any of these anything. things. Yeah, more like Peter God no, please no. <laughs> <laughs> Future art. <laughs> no. Yeah. no. Oh. <laughs> I yeah. I don't know if that that might not go over well, but eh, it's neither here nor there. I, I gotta say though, you're a lot of art of you is just fantastic. Just <laughs> thank you. You're like I have, you're like I have some fun ideas, and I do try and try and support, especially new artists as well. I think I've got about too many pieces now, basically a huge number of artists. Um, about a hundred art, I think, are from different. Like I've I've got several hundred pieces of art, but they're from over a hundred artists, and I like to try and support new artists if I can. Oh, there you go. That's that's good. That's uh. Very noble of you. So, obviously, we got the standard introduction here. Uh, Who are you? Your name, pronouns, anything you'd like to plug at this time? Sure. So, I am Daddy Wester. Uh, Pronouns are he, him. Uh, I have a Patreon uh, where I write short stories, which are, generally speaking, about 3,000 words long, designed to be read in a single sitting. Um, And I deliver about three of those every month. Uh, and I also deliver an audiobook um, of one of those stories each month as well. Um, $5 gets you two stories, and $10 gets you the third story and an audiobook. So there's a plug. <laughs> um, audiobook is worth can, it. And you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash daddy to hear some of that. But yes, Belly is a Patreon. So, Belly is a patron. So... Buy it. Belly. <laughs> but Belly. I like audiobooks. Yeah. Belly, can you attest to this? Is it is it good yeah. stuff? Alright, yeah, there we stuff. go. It's uh, the audiobooks are worth it. Alright. Yeah, like <laughs> if you have alone little time, like having a somebody having somebody who is intentionally in the daddy character telling you a story in an audiobook is valuable. Yeah, that's that's big. That's very big. Um for people like do you okay wait do you read like do you read like kids books 
and like some of your short stories or I, there are, I read my own short stories I can't read kids books and the reason for that yeah. is simple copyright. which is that they are copyrighted oh. and yeah like the the easiest way of doing my audiobooks is just to read the ones I write and that's what I do because I know that all the rights are with me and I know that all of the stuff that happens is entirely focused on the content I produce um I think if I start like eventually I would run out of like kids books people wanted to hear anyway like a one-off recording of very hungry caterpillar which i did on a twitch stream once fine but i couldn't do that and sell it yeah oh uh, yeah but that sounds very cute and i wish i was there for that <laughs> i think it's uh, clipped you can probably find it on my twitch it's clipped. oh okay well all right then uh so uh of course obviously you're pretty big in the community. How did you get into the baby fur community? So, I mean, I've been a baby fur and ABDL like pretty much since I was a teenager and had the concept of what that was filtered into my brain through the internet. Um, you know, wearing or wanting to wear padding has been part of my life since I was very, very young. Um, you know, it, it's difficult to say when I joined the community exactly, but it probably would have been around about the age of 14, 15, when I properly found out, A, what furry was, and B, what ABDL was. So you can make the sort of com combination there. Um, and then I only really started becoming active in the community when I was 18 or 19, you know, making sure I was old enough to. Um, and that was the point where I started publishing stories as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, if you want to kind of pull it down to how long I've been active in the community, probably coming up to about 11 years. Um, and the real kind of turning point for me was around about 2016, 17, uh, where I really started engaging with more people in the community more actively. And then I opened up my Twitter account in September of 2019 and it kind of exploded after that. I'm not entirely sure how, how I'm pretty big in the community now, but it didn't feel that way two years ago. So. <laughs> It, I can tell it's you exactly how. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's the Twitter, it's the algorithm, right? The, yeah. the scary algorithm. <laughs> you start I'm, getting I'm, enough interaction, you get popular. Well, yeah. And I, I think I think to a certain extent, if you have good caregiver energy and like you're a oh, good, yeah. you're a cool you're a cool person, like you know, you usually will gain a bit of a following. You know, you look at a. I mean, you look at a lot of other caregivers in the in the community. They they tend to gain. They tend to get a mommies and daddies like get clout pretty quickly, especially if they're if they're good. Like yeah. a thousand okay. followers within like a month, within like two months, I'd say. Yeah, there, there, <laughs> there's definitely you want you want that kind of energy. I think on your on your feel of the time because it makes you feel good as a as an AB. You want to be reassured by these people. I think that for me personally, though, it was very, very weird opening up my Twitter account and suddenly finding it kind of explode because I went from public to private, uh, private to public and just finding out how many people wanted to follow my content. Um, some of it was smut. Some of it was just straight up writing, you know, short, short, short smut. And that was what inspired the Patreon because enough people seemed to like that, that maybe it was worth, you know, trying to do semi-professionally. And that was a big shock as well, because within a month of starting that, I had about 
40, 50 patrons. So it was, you know, having hit 100 now, obviously that growth slowed, but it was it was amazing to even hit that mark initially. So um, it's it's been a ride <laughs> over the past year. And plus your your the energy you give off of like the caretaker that can be taken down is really appealing to Brett's. That's oh, right. Yeah, I mean, to, to be clear, I'm a, I guess I should clarify that I'm a switch. So I am both AB and also a caregiver. So yeah, there is definitely an element of that whereby there will be some content of me that is very appealing to the kind of, oh yeah, now I get to tease the big. Yeah, which role reversal. Has, yeah, role reversal is a big button of mine in general, but there's definitely a lot of a lot of people who find the idea of teasing teasing the big a big deal, particularly as I I go very small in my little space. Um, like we're we're thinking like about six months old in little space. Yeah. Um, when there are a lot of people who like to stay at toddler age or whatever. Um, I do not stay that like it. I I will you know I will go full on into I just want to lie down and be in sleep. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, be comfortable. Be be put on. You got to be put under the baby gym. Yep. With a blanket one. down, toys hanging over your head, mm-hmm. and good music going in the background. Yeah, God. basically. Where do I sign up for this? Exactly right. You can be belly sized, like. All right, no, 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 like, but yeah, being under. I, I've always wanted to do that. I know they have. Um, I think at Capcom, I know they have. Do they have? They have the baby gyms and stuff, don't they? You can I, lay under I, them. I've been invited to. Capcom by a couple of people say, yeah, you should come to this, and it's like you can't. You there are no pictures of Capcom by by uh, by design, so it's difficult to know exactly what it has. But I've heard good things, so. Well, that, that's I, what I yeah. That's the only. I'm allowed like, to share the pictures of me that I, that were that was taken there. So give me a second. And well, we can get I, some. Yeah, the, well, some visual I, visual stuff. The visuals for this audio pod, this video, the visuals for this audio podcast are fantastic. And I'm because I'm looking at you, Spelly. You look, you look divine. You're like amazing. Yeah, and I mean, whoa, whoa, what's that? Holy crap, Jimmy, what are you doing? (laughs) Oh my gosh, what is that a is that a a diaper? Oh, and then suddenly man. a viewer viewer rating suddenly shot up just because you said the word. Viewer ra- yeah, viewer ratings for audio. The real podcast. test. Yeah, the, listen, <laughs> all right. Real test of baby for clout is always post the word diaper on Twitter and see how, how many, many retweets and likes it gets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's I just love doing that every now and then. Just just t- tweeting out diaper or just people just tweet out diapers. And it's always I always give them the standard response for me. It's like I always give them a like, and then I I always post a gif of like a crowd applauding because it's like yeah, woo, diapers. I think I think that was the other thing actually that made me realize that in Vitcom as I was getting big in the baby fur community was the constant exchange of shit posts with Austin, who I'm not sure <laughs> like yeah. at, at bab.com on Twitter, who I basically constantly re- like respond to specific tweets with just constantly teasing him and realizing they were getting like hundred like dozens of retweets and hundreds of likes and i didn't really quite 
<laughs> like they're they're hitting a mark somewhere, basically. Yeah, Austin. Right. Um, Austin's perfected the art. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, they do have the they do have the little baby gym. Okay. Like that would just that would be so cool to just kind of lay under bap at stuff, especially if there's like music. Yeah. Or um, one of the things I always wanted to do is like. Oh, for people who, who didn't know, I did post I did post pictures of myself in our podcasting Discord. No, you probably won't be able to see them. I'm sorry. They show my face. Yeah, but you have a cute face. You're very cute. Uh, um, what? Wait, is that? Are those like? Is that a Digimon? Yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if that was like a Digimon. It's or one the best huge. one. Okay. Well, this, it's all right. Terriermon. Okay. What? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I I only stuck with like I only stuck with Digimon whenever it was on T. Whenever it was on like public TV. Uh, once it got off the air, I just kind of like my interest kind of tanked in it. <laughs> okay, you can be wrong because Digimon's amazing. No, I, I know Digimon's amazing. I know it's I know it's pretty prevalent in our community considering uh you could say Renamon and people just be like you know <laughs> Renamon is just I, I feel like every I feel like a lot of people like Renamon. Yeah. Well I mean well, Digimon is something that definitely was like should have noticed I was non binary from it. <laughs> oh my god. Because the thing is is that uh, there are multiple scenes in at least the third season where, like, it's kind of described that Digimon don't have gender. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they're just kind of, yeah, they're just digital, they're digital creatures. Like, what's the point in regarding identity when it's like you're just a an online being? No, they're, they're, full, they're full creatures. Oh, well, but they don't, they don't have, yeah, they just don't have, you know pronouns because they just don't think of it. Yeah. Digimon cast. Fine, Jimmy. What do you do for hobbies? Yeah, what are you... What are, the, the, oh, amazing segue. <laughs> I think you just gave our listeners big whiplash. Yeah, what are your hobbies? Anything you get into uh, outside or maybe around the fandom? Uh, I mean, the big one is uh, I Twitch stream... Uh, Irregularly, I used to Twitch stream much more regularly, but stress and life have made it more difficult. Um, I obviously write, as you can tell from my uh, my Patreon stuff. Um, I really enjoy um, philosophy, reading philosophy as well. I'm one of those weird people who just enjoys reading academic journals for fun because I like knowing what's going on in you know my sector of the community, as it were, within the philosophy community. Um, Being a responsible, educated person. Yeah, no. <laughs> Knowing a lot about heuristics and Hegel is not particularly helpful to getting through life. Um, but... Uh, but you're an educated <laughs> person. So like that, the idea of it is that you're trying to stay up to date on your field and be part of these discussions, which is the responsible thing to do if you are going, if you have a, a degree like that. Yeah, right. We don't but want experts who are out of date to no. be considered experts. No. I mean, and, and the other thing I obviously like to do um, is, in general, you know, play video games when I'm at home. It's, it's, it's a big part of my life, to be honest, where either I will be producing something, Twitch streaming, writing, doing my full-time job, or I will be playing video games. It's generally one of those two things. Um, I am, however, also a big football, as in soccer, um, <laughs> for American viewers. Um, foot, uh fan, and I follow West Ham United in the UK. Um, and that's that's the other sort of big part of my life. 
um, I want to go see one of the games once everything reopens uh, at their stadium, and that's that's the kind of general plan on that front. Um, and that's it's, it's been kind of cool seeing other people engage with that online occasionally. It's very rare that those two communities cross over. Um, football football fans and baby furs. I mean, American football fans and baby furs cross over. Soccer and baby furs tend not to. Um, it's much rarer to see, particularly. It's because Americans are Americans don't like a game that ends in like O two. No, they want big numbers, but the, yeah. the number go up fast. Give me more yeah. numbers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then you divide everything by seven and you realize, <laughs> I, I, oh, there was actually like four points scored in this thing. Either actually, it has to be super violent, like people slamming into each other at top speed, or it has to be like loads of points, or a combination of the two, like hockey, where like hockey is like super like violent and visceral and scores a lot of points. And then you have basketball, which is not super violent, super visceral, but score a lot of points. And then American football, where you can have games that end in like 3-3, but it's always going to be people smashing into each other for however many minutes. Yeah. So, I, I feel like you guys are missing the, the sport that is labeled as an American sport, which is baseball. Yeah, but baseball, baseball, baseball is just... Baseball is a reason to drink, not a sport. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. Oh, it's like <laughs> It's like cricket in the UK. You don't go to a to a baseball match to watch baseball. You go to a baseball match to have a drink and enjoy a day out. It's like and be in, like well. be in the crowd. Yeah. Like oh yeah. yeah. As someone who's worked as someone who's worked at the Daytona 500, yeah, it's to some people it is just an excuse to get drunk and watch cars crash. Yeah, that, but that's there's nothing wrong with that except for possibly the thousands of pounds of damage to cars and individuals. But that's that's like, capitalism. Yeah, and I, you know, I watch, I watch Formula One as well, and Formula One is the, the kind of epitome of how fast can we make a car go and make the races as boring as possible. Um, <laughs> that like, description is great. Well, I mean, least... they're trying to solve it, but like it, it, it's just become this kind of thing of, well, how fast can we make the cars? Well, in order to make the cars fast, they can never overtake each other. So by by definition, you end up with this problem of like, the F1 being, well, we'll qualify and then that'll be it. That'll be the race. <laughs> Everyone will, will, will go in a line. Um, and yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely gotten worse over the years. Um, but, you know, I, 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 that's another one of my hobbies, I guess. I could go on about F1 for ages. Well, at least with, at least with Formula One, um, at least with Formula One, you got a little intricate course and I don't know. Whereas NASCAR is just a circle. It's like, oh, god damn, he made it on the left turn. Yeah, the, the circle. Turn. But the thing is, the circle is intentionally done to mess with wind resistance, isn't it? I it's also a slow circle. I no, you're, no you're banking. You're banking. It's designed to increase yeah. speed. The, the, the thing that you're trying to do in NASCAR compared to F1 is stay at a consistent high speed. In F1, you will often be like jumping between 40 or 60 miles an hour to 180 within the space of a few seconds. Whereas in NASCAR, it's like, we want to stay at like 180 miles an hour or whatever it is going around this circle constantly um, for 100 laps um, and hope that we don't accidentally clip the back of someone's car because if they do, they're going to fly for, you know, 200 yards and flip over 80 times. Um, <laughs> there were some really scary NASCAR crashes. Um, oh yeah, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I get the appeal. Like, I would go to, the, like, I, I, like, I would love to go to like the middle of a NASCAR ring and have a barbecue in the middle of it while watching the cars go around. Absolutely. I don't think I could sit on a, uh, on a, in a terrace though for however long it takes and just watch one car go. You know, the cars all go around once in a circle every hour or so. Um, <laughs> it's. It's it's not something I would appeal to me. I don't think it's an American. I don't know how to. Yeah, it's it's something. <laughs> Everybody, every culture has this thing that they do just to kind of say, "Let's do nothing but get drunk and relax and watch this thing happen." National sports are, in a sense, to to some extent, it's just more. When you get to that professional level, it's less of like a thing of like you know, at least with school sports, you know, it's like a thing of camaraderie or competitiveness professional sports is just entertainment yeah it's just m- money You're just making money but that's neither here nor there um you know it is here or there what what is here or there spelly animals yeah it's everywhere it's animals jimmy what's your jimmy? favorite animal yeah what's my favorite what sorry animal favorite animal would be a wolf it's the hardest question we ask the whole cast (laughs) well it's i mean it it makes it kind of makes sense because usually people's people's personas will be their favorite animal Uh, yeah but you get a ton of different crazy reactions from people yeah that's true um like who was it someone came on del the dal yeah well del Del the duke yeah Del del just was duking okay I could have sworn there was someone else who was like, oh, yeah, this is my favorite animal, but uh, I actually like this animal more. Um, I, man, my memory. I have goldfish memory sometimes, man, I swear. Uh, you have baby memory. Uh, yeah, maybe that's what it is. I, I'm actually looking into getting into journaling, like writing down what I've done each day so like I can remember shit. Be more reflective and in the moment, I guess. I don't know. Also, I could be like, dear diary. <laughs> well, dear diary, today I peed myself 50 times. I don't know. <laughs> why, why does it always come down to peeing yourself with you? I like peeing myself, okay? <laughs> there, I said it. Someone's going to clip that and hold it against <laughs> me for the rest of my life. Yes. I like, I like, I like peeing in diapers, okay? It's fun. It's warm. It's squishy. It's nice because you don't have to go into a stinky bathroom and sit there or, you know, and and then once it's done, you're nice and warm and squishy and you feel that sense of relief. But we're not here to talk about squishy diapers uh, unless, of course, you know, we're here to talk about the people that change squishy diapers, a.k.a. daddies. Bam, transition. In this scenario. In this scenario. In this scenario. No, yeah, because it's because we have our we have we have the we have Daddy Wuster here um to change our diapers. Um yeah. <laughs> that was not at all awkward in any way. Uh we're known for beautiful not segues and we're known for beautiful segues and transitions here on the baby for cast. Uh but yeah, I I, I think it's it's good to we talk about this um 
because I'd like to hear about, you know, what being a daddy means to you and like, you know, what, uh, you know, maybe what like your favorite part of being a daddy is and that sort of thing. Yeah. We're trying to interview you to see if you're, if you're good enough to be a daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise this, this, this is my job interview is it essentially, can I babysit? Yeah. Can I babysit Nate? Can you please? <laughs> oh, Hey, look, my phone. Uh, wow. Phone, <laughs> it gives me an opportunity camera. to talk for a bit while I wait for Smelly to get back, I guess. Yeah. The uh, But yeah, no, I mean, from the perspective of what uh, like being a daddy means, when I first started exploring it, this would have been back in about 2015, 16, really. Um, at first, it was a kind of exploration of... I guess a sort of general feeling of control. Like there was this kind of real feeling that I had that being a Navy DL on its own wasn't providing me with a feeling of control over my life. And when I sort of started exploring feelings of, well, you know, I could be more dominant or I could be someone who people, you know, who, who I could, you know, I could babysit slash, you know, give over this kind of idea of, you know, I can be a controlling presence it was an interesting thing to explore at first. Then it kind of evolved into something more caring, like a direct kind of caring relationship of this is a person I want to actually care for, not just have a dominant relationship, but a caring one. And so over the years, that's kind of steadily evolved into I want the people within the community to be safe and I want the people within the community to be happy. And that's really the big thing that's that's come out of, the thing that means the most to me is seeing ABDLs happy when I kind of post content or have ideas um, that are that are fun to explore within the ABDL space that, you know, as a daddy, I can kind of, you know, intimate or, you know, affect in some way. Um, and, you know, for me personally, in terms of what it gives me in my life as a whole, it gives me a, a feeling of, you know, I guess... I guess control over, you know, my ABDL feelings on their own because I feel as though when I do get those feelings or I feel like I want to be little, I have a baseline for how I want to be treated from myself. And that has helped in a lot of ways. I think part of why ABDLs are so desperate for a um, for a caregiver in their lives in a lot of senses is because they don't exactly know what they want out of the experience. Um, for a lot of ABDLs, it's it's a really big feeling. It's a big emotional thing. But they've obviously never had the experience of being daddied or mummied or babysat. Um, and so you get this kind of distinct feeling of, well, what do I want constantly going through your head? And having someone in your life who just kind of sits down with you and just goes, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, just you suddenly have this very concrete idea about what you enjoy. Um, and that's that's been helpful to me, and I think it's been helpful to a lot of other ABDLs that I've met as well. So, yeah, that's a sort of good summary. It's, yeah, <clears throat> I feel like it is very fulfilling because I, uh, some people don't know this, but I am a switch. I am a daddy sometimes, and it's very... I find it very fulfilling, like, and I know this sounds, and it sounds kind of cliche, but it's just like, 
sometimes you I, I do like the sense of being able to make someone feel safe or be a protector of sorts and like having someone trust me in that way to where um to where you know you don't uh where people are where you people can you could make people very happy and it's just like you know it, it's a very good sense when someone calls you daddy when someone just like like i've you know having littles having their smile big grin on their face being like daddy you know it's absolutely amazing uh sometimes but it, it also depends on the it, it depends on the headspace for me personally because i feel like a lot of i feel like sometimes it's uh you know it can get pretty hectic i would say but for you i feel like I, I feel like you have a lot of you've probably had a lot of experience in this sort of field, so you you kind of know, and and, I, and it, you said it feels like you get a lot of confidence out of this. Yeah, confidence is a good word. Yeah, being in control is nice. Yeah, yeah. It, it's this is yeah this is what that's what this is a good part of the community and the and a, the relationship dynamic is. If you have two people in this sort of relationship dynamic, because caregivers, daddies benefit out of feeling like they're they're a provider or they are able to be there for someone and maybe build someone up like that and provide for that. And littles are good for you know they they have someone that they know is there for them and vice versa you know i i would think that your littles would be there for you as well i'm sure you've had a lot of would you say you've had a lot of support from it sounds like you said you you probably would have a lot of support from the community especially considering you've gotten a lot of traction as as a dad oh, yeah. as like this daddy you know i am immensely grateful to basically the entire community every day like i think it's important to recognize the fact that like even even small things can be enormously helpful particularly when obviously as a daddy or as a caretaker oh you feel as though that a lot of the onus is on you sometimes to be the person that people you know you will listen to people who are struggling you know you've put yourself kind of in that position a lot of the time people want to come to you for help um, yeah and, and see i'd be worried about the parasocial relationship that comes with that oh yeah and trust me that's that's been a uh, uh a difficult thing to manage but i will say interestingly one of the things i haven't experienced and maybe this is down to to a gender thing because i have spoken to uh particularly mummies about this but there's like i've not experienced the oh, you're a daddy, you know, sliding into my DMs, you know, asking me, you know, stupid questions or being weird. I've never really experienced that. Um, I've had maybe once that I can think of. But the the rest of the time, by and large, I've been, you know, I've, I've not really had that experience. And maybe, maybe again, part of it is down to the fact that I'm a switch as well. Like, you know, if I'm in small mode, there's no point in asking me whether, you know, for help. Um, I'm not going to be able to give it to you at that moment, and people maybe feel less confident asking because they don't know uh, which kind of... You can always give help. Oh, yeah. You can always give help. But, but right, if, if you're small and you're giving help, knocking okay, down a tower is help. 
I'll clarify. It's not help. It's RP. I guess. <laughs> like I don't get the I don't get the do you RP questions. Um, I get them oh, on SA yeah. notes. We all do, but like I yeah I don't get them on Twitter as much as I I know some particularly mummies in the community get. Um, and it's like I think you know coming back to you know what it's meant. The the community has meant more than anything else in terms of how it felt to be how it felt to be a daddy in that sense because I've always felt as though I have the community's support. Um, whether it was on Twitch streaming when I was you know first starting and I had enormous enormous support on one of my uh, Final Fantasy X streams in January, um, uh, or if it's something else which would be something like my Patreon. It's always felt as though whenever I'm feeling down, you know, you guys have got my back, and I I don't say that enough, really, or at least I never feel like I say that enough. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's that's definitely the the sort of the difficult balance as well is is trying to work out like how much do you want to be, you know, there for people, and how much do you just want to say thank you for other people being there for you. Um, <laughs> Um, without it being too parasocial, but yeah, I think I think you know I don't I don't mind a couple of parasocial relationships here and there, but I'm up to you know I'm pretty much up to my limit now. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I completely understand that. Well, yeah, really, have... that's just to deal with content creation, right? Is when you put your face yeah. out there, you're going to have parasocial relationships. Yeah, particularly in the fandom. Yeah, yeah, I I guess like whenever I've whenever I've been able to show my, my caregiver side, that does kind of happen. You get a lot more, you do get a lot more social relations because either people, not necessarily a lot of people just like, Oh, you want to be my daddy. It's just like, they just want to be friends with a cool person who is also a caregiver. Uh, you know, and to, to some extent, I feel like there are some people who still just are not, they just have no idea. They just slide into DMS. And I know yeah. like, and that and seems I, kind of foolish because, like, when you have the problem of people sliding into DMs for any person, like, there are different kinds of daddies. Oh, and yeah, like, for sure. you can have a, a very caring, caring dominant, or you can have uh, the sadistic one, or the one that is going to, you know, go cheat on you and cuck you or something. <laughs> that I guess, in a bad way, non not consensually yeah. cucking. Consensually non-consensually. Ah. <laughs> uh, <But. laughs> well, it's you know. Like, well, well, like there is there is a thing that people need to remember about being big that oftentimes being a big means that you're putting a dominant role on, which may might appear differently to other people. Yeah, and it's it's important that like you as a big or that, that, you know, as, as a big, you sort of carry yourself and you behave yourself at well. I mean, it's just, it's just a matter of like being a decent human being either way, you know, littles going into caregivers, DMS, trying to ask to be a mommy or trying to ask for them for like a mommy or for, Oh, will you be my daddy kind of has the same vibe as, blank profile picture sliding into a little DMs being like, hello, princess. Who you want? Uh, can I be your daddy? I'm your daddy now. <laughs> Show me your diaper. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. uh, 
and you know, it's like it's the same feeling. But there's, I, I was more talking about the idea of a caring, comforting person versus a more sadistic person. Well, yeah, that that's going to depend on that's going to depend on your relationship dynamic, what you want out of a caregiver, what you want, what a care and what a caregiver wants out of a little, and you know, vice versa. That's I think that's important. If there's any takeaway from this, is that you really should establish those sorts of things with with a potential caregiver and you know figure out what sort of dynamics you like like for instance i'm talking with this mommy and she's not she is not the the most sadistic person she was saying like if she was ever going to spank a little it would be very she was i think she said she'd be willing to do it but it's going to be right into aftercare and she'd probably feel pretty bad about it. So she would need some reassurance on it. Uh, and she's not, she doesn't seem very big on punishment. Whereas I've seen some other mommies that have posted some very interesting things that say, ah, yes, I'm the kind of person that likes to, to make little squirm. And that's the same thing with daddy. It's like, I, I, I get the very, I get very wholesome vibes from you, Jimmy, which is why I like you. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, you, you get very wholesome vibes from me, and yet, like half of my half of my content on either Twitter or my Patreon is kinky as hell. Um, well, yeah, I yeah. I, the like, thing is, is that that is that the content that you make comes from a feeling of love and respect for the community too. Yeah, uh, there's a difference between like. There's a huge difference between somebody who is like making content that pleases people in the community and somebody who like fully just wants to fully somebody who just has like a very rigid structure of this is what I like. Yeah, and I think uh, and I think the best thing. Go ahead. Part of why I guess maybe that wholesome vibe comes off is that I do actively, very actively, try to be a voice of inclusivity and a voice of you know, exploring, like, as I say, I try and get art from new artists as much as I possibly can, because I feel as though one of the, the big problems within any community, whether it's the furry fandom or elsewhere, is that you get kind of hierarchies starting to evolve where the most popular people get all of the attention, and then you get this problem yeah. where um, no one, you know, it's difficult to break into it. Um, and I'm lucky in the sense that you know, as you, you know, maybe I do have a confidence or, or, or charisma that some artists or other creators may not have yet. Um, and I feel like it's important to try and give people that confidence and the ability to say, yeah, I want to be part of this community. I want to be active within it. I want to, you know, take business from other ABDLs because they respect me and people who take commissions, you know, I, I try and be a respectful commissioner. I try and make sure that these people get business and that I retweet their work. And that I feel is the best way to create a wholesome community is to try and do my best to support, you know, content and creators within it without, you know, restricting myself to, as you say, like one rigid thing and without, you know, I will explore different elements of it. Like, you know, on the very kinky side, there's the cuckoldry stuff, which I will sometimes explore. Um, and on the really not so kinky side, there's like the whole, you know, age regression or whatever that, you know, I do for some of my cuter stories on Patreon. So 
there's there's all sorts of ways you can you can you can you can go down and, and explore these things within the community and I do feel as though there's so many people who want to express it that it's worth supporting them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot of people in the community where that are worth supporting that need supporting and are supported could use more support. Uh, Basically, we're saying if you, if you're an artist, understand that there's a small popularity contest going on, and you're yeah. gonna have to fight against that. But that's okay because yeah, your art's still valuable. Uh, yeah, it doesn't I matter like- if it doesn't get looked at all the time or. And you don't have a ton of commissions. Your art is actually valuable, and it takes. Sometimes it just takes the right scenario for somebody to find you and need to commission you. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I feel like. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, going into a bit of con- to content creation, making art, you know, writing and making uh, visual art. It's. I I feel like you know, at least my personal philosophy is you you should start doing art. Or writing because you want to see this work or you want you want to you want to do what you like you know you want to draw what you like you want to make things you want to visualize things and then later on once you get comfortable with that with that uh with that talent and that style then you start opening up and you start making it into something marketable and you know providing for people and making things that people like which is, I feel like that's where a lot of artists start off. You know, I, I feel like, I, I, I feel like there, there might be some artists out there that is like, they only, they started drawing art just, just for, just for clout and just for money. And I mean, that's fine too, but I, I feel like, I feel like that I, uh, that I've met quite a few artists that have just a passion for it and they put a lot of time and effort into it. And it's, I think it's a, a beautiful thing. Yep, I agree. What we're saying the, is support your artists. Yeah, and the same the same thing with writers too. Damn it, we need to have. Yep. I wanna I wanna bring. Oh, more, I'm talking I'm talking art in the the idea of just art in general. Yeah. Writing. Uh, I would. Media creation. Artists on the show because I I know or artists and writers, um, to to kind of discuss that, and also so that people can people can know that there are other artists in the community aside from I don't know Marcy Wen <laughs> Bubble Pupper the <laughs> the the big ones that like the big ones that everyone knows and they their commissions open and then two minutes later they're closed because so many people get requests <laughs> yeah I think that most popular artists now tend I mean Bubbles is an obvious exception to this but um, a lot of artists now who have a, a very large queue or tend to get a lot of requests are now being selective rather than just taking commissions. They'll take in a Google form or something similar and choose which ones appeal to them the most, which I think is a, a good system. And if there are artists out there who feel as though they do get too many for their queue, I'd probably recommend it because it allows you to have a bit more freedom. Yeah, that's that's what I, and that's what happens when when you have that big of an audience, I guess, is you can you can pick and choose that sort of thing. Like I know there are some artists that only take commissions from patrons if they have a Patreon and stuff yeah. like that. I think why uh, your character heroes are really 
good for that sort of thing because it lets the artist sort of make a scenario and say, well, I just need a character for this. So I can offer it at a, I can give you guys through like, I'm thinking like when in general, who when can't open up everything for how popular they are. Oh and yeah. Like yeah. it is when they offer YCH, YCH, it's a good thing because not everybody can get access to there. And if you're just saying, I really want to draw this scene and I'm willing to do it multiple times, then you let you open up the idea of people who want that scene can now come to you and then have, you know, that art from you that is important that they didn't have to wait on a list or provide an idea for. Right. Yeah, it's that. But it, it, the community involves multiple different levels of engagement, and it's hard. We're, we're still kind of we've naturally made this stuff, but it's hard to identify it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's and as it, I feel like as it grows, you get there might be a bit more structure and like understanding of what's going on in the community. Um, and sp- actually, speaking of uh, speaking of community. Uh, quick plug. Um, if you guys want to either be on, either ask some questions or be on a recording of the Baby Fur cast, we will be making an appearance at Baby Fur Con on July 24th or the 25th. Um, the panel time is still tentative, but we will be hosting a panel where we will be recording an episode of the Baby Fur cast. So if you would like to do that, make sure you get online and register to attend uh, Baby Fur Con. Oh, do I have to register to do that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they can't just uh, I'm pretty sure they can't let you in for free. Unless you yeah, wanna you, unless you wanna unless you wanna talk negotiate some deal with Baby for a con. <laughs> yeah, you will need to you'll need to register slowly. I submitted the pay yeah. Don't make me just don't make me <laughs> make, Don't turn this yeah. into the fluffy Nate show. God damn it. God It's only tw- uh, it's only twenty bucks for a ticket. Like seriously yeah. do it. It's not uh, yeah, it's not I just that. haven't gone on with this. I was going to. I just haven't gone on with well, Again, I think it was like three weeks ago that you brought this up, and I went, what is Baby Fur Con? Yeah, it's a... What is Baby Fur Con? It's a con for baby furs. What else do you think it is, Spelly? It's yeah, be a but I didn't understand it was going to be all of Yeah, Yeah, it's a virtual con because of um, things happening in the world right now. And, um, yeah. <laughs> I... I would love to see this be a physical con, like eventually a brick and mortar thing you go to, like Capcom or Teddy Con. Uh, preferably, I would I would like to see a, I would like to see a, an age play convention somewhere a little more in the south. So like they're planning on doing it in Vegas, which to me is like the best place to host a ABDL con because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But the um, like the the whole kind of of idea of having a baby fur con, I think. If you told me, if you'd asked me about that ten years ago, I'd have shut it down <laughs> like, uh, pretty much straight away. The, the the trouble with it was more about like the level of control the community had back in like 2011 to 2016 or so. Yeah, it was too. Uh, you you couldn't have a level of oversight to it. I think that was safe. Now though, I think that there's a lot better. The community has gotten better and better at its own oversight, and we are starting to work out, you know, some boundaries as to what's acceptable within it in a much clearer way, um, without being gatekeepy. 
um, which I think was also a real problem about 10 years ago where people would gatekeep. Um, yeah. So it's, it's good It's good that we're we're adapting and moving forward and genuinely getting better as a community in that way. Yeah, it is It is nice to see more events cropping up and, you know, with Capcom and TeddyCon and, and BabyFurCon, seeing that it's not just like, ah, come one, come all, give us your money. And like, no one really, there. there's a vetting process. I like, yeah. it. it's not, yeah. you can't just. They need, they need to have a vetting process for it, which is. Cool. Yeah. Which, yeah. And I, I it's funny because sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll think about it. And it's like, I'm thinking about like, if I wanted to go to TeddyCon or Capcom, it's like, oh, you gotta be vetted. I'm like, ah. Can't just show up with it's thirty not that hard. I can't. No, I, I know it's not that hard. But it's just like I can't. I, I I used to like to go to just cons, just walk up and buy a ticket at the door. But especially now because of COVID, you can't even do that. Like I'm going to like I'm going to Megaplex in August. They're not having at the they're not having uh at the door admission. They're just you know they they've already got pre register. It's all pre registration. Which thankfully, uh, because I was supposed to go last year, I already had that covered. So now I just gotta, I just gotta find a, I just gotta find a hotel. I just gotta find a room. <laughs> I still haven't found a room. It's like a month away. And if anyone's, if anyone's looking to room with me at Megaplex, I, I, I swear, I just want to throw my shit in a corner and pass out in a bed Me- when it's like two a.m. Megaplex <laughs> is one of the whoa, whoa. The shit stays in the diaper. I, of course. Oh God. Uh, one, of, one of the one of the worst cons for a UK person to attend is a is Orlando in the middle of the summer because a the tickets <laughs> a the tickets for the flights cost upwards of eight hundred quid, which is about one thousand one hundred dollars, and two because well, I mean it's it's Orlando in the middle of the summer, <laughs> people oh, are right. going to Disney World, yeah. um, and the other one is that it's Florida in the middle of the summer months where we live in a very temperate climate in the UK. Like, I know full well that going to Florida will murder me in terms of sleep because it will be tough to sleep in the humidity and the, you know, the heat of the Florida sun. So that's why that's, that's why you sleep in a nice room with the AC on full blast. Oh yeah. No, like again, but, but, there's there are different AC cultures. Yeah. All right. I live in Oklahoma where AC is a requirement at this point in time. So like it's it's normal for me to sleep in a very nice fully air conditioned house and like set it on like you know seventy degrees uh seventy degrees Fahrenheit twenty degrees Celsius whatever just have it to where it's constantly at that temperature and I'm willing to pay the energy cost. Some people like in the Pacific Northwest in England haven't needed that a long time. No, I know. I, when I went to A and E in February uh, of 2019, which was my first and thus far only furry con, despite you know, mainly because of COVID, honestly, um, the there obviously that was Boston in the winter, and there was snow outside for some of it. So I didn't get to experience hot New England weather, and I didn't get to. I've not been to the U.S. when it's been hot. I've been to the U.S. twice, once for Washington D.C. with a field trip the best field trip. Um, And uh, yeah, once for A&E. I was a furry for both of these. And I remember in DC, it was really funny, mainly because of the fact that it was just after Obama's inauguration and a whole bunch of us bought 99 cents McCain McCain shirts. 
Um, oh my god! <laughs> so we had we were going through DC picking up like because they it's really funny. all the old merch that they gonna get rid of. It's it's really funny because all of the like gift shops were selling like basically baskets of President McCain like 08 shirts because they had printed them just in they, case they had they to already print them yeah and wow. so they were literally selling them in like baskets of 20 for 10 bucks i think it was so you could get you could get one shirt for 99 or you could get 10 of them for for 10 bucks basically and it or was it yeah it was 20 of them for 10 bucks you had you just picked up a basket of them and took it um, I think they they just wanted to get rid of them because they knew no one would buy them, <laughs> especially not in DC no where it's like fiercely liberal anyway. Uh, but it was really funny because we decided, yeah, sure, we've got we'll, we'll pitch in fifty cents each for a McCain eight shirt to take back home for a laugh. Um, and yeah, it was really funny when we all arrived back and then never wore them again. Um, I think that like I think I wore maybe mine for painting models a couple of times, but yeah. That was fun. Um, All right. So will you wear it on stream if you're going to do a finger painting stream? I don't own it anymore. It's gone. Oh, okay. This, this, was, this was like 13 years ago now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I want to know when the finger painting stream is going to happen. Uh, I will do a painting stream at some point. I do want to, uh, but it will be models. It won't be finger painting, unfortunately. Finger painting stream is... No, <laughs> very messy, and I don't own the fly living. <laughs> yeah, you gotta that it finger. It sounds like finger painting would be more fun if you had someone either clean up after you or help at least help clean up after you. I mean, that's generally there was the a scene I want to do. Yeah, no, in general, but I want to. I definitely want to do a scene with me and another ABL where we like set a tarp out or whatever, and just a room that like we can destroy, get into like nothing but our diapers and finger paint. Yeah, I mean, Capcom does that, from what I, from I know. What I'm aware. Oh. So, it's, so it's like, yeah, do that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, we were talking about streaming. So yeah. What we is did your, that. Yeah. Any, any new experiences that you had with streaming that you felt was very interesting, given that you were, you're not, because if I remember right, you weren't shy about talking to, like, the D at the Littles. As like a daddy in your streams. So, so I I um like my stream is upwardly ABDL friendly or outwardly ABDL friendly I should say. Uh, the like the about page says you know I'm a daddy for this is you know an, an ABDL friendly stream. The rules state it as this is an ABDL friendly chat. You're welcome to talk about that subject here. Just you know keep RP to a you know a bare minimum. Um, and yeah, it's. It's always been a really healthy place to talk about it in my streams. I don't think I've I've had maybe one or two weird experiences with it, but by and large it's been positive. And I think that you know, it's it's never been an issue. There have been a couple of people who've joined in the stream and said they enjoy my streams and said, Oh yeah, I'm not ABDL, but I, I like the stream, it's cool. You're chill. And I definitely appreciate that. Um but yeah, it's uh the Final Fantasy X stream was the point where I kind of felt like, well, this has suddenly got big. Yeah. Um, oh no. You and, and see, I like I like seeing that because there's a lot of there's a lot to say about an interactive audience in this community that 
who just don't get, except for the very few people who are Twitch streamers. Like. Right. Uh, I was I was gonna ask like because Twitch is a pretty public platform. Do you got do you like have you gotten a lot of like have you gotten any vanilla people or just normal people coming in and like sh- shitting on you or something or just like yeah. being I've toxic? Had, I've had vanilla people come in, but I've only had one instance of toxicity, and that was it. And oh, that was okay. that was shut down fast because I have good mods. Yeah, um, and I don't I don't have to worry about it from that perspective the the thing that was was really interesting was that honestly like that was on a one-off stream as well that was like when i had about 10 people in my final fantasy 10 stream in january which was easily like the moment where i kind of felt like geez this is this is getting big um i got 96 viewers in my stream at one point and at no stage did yeah. i have any negativity um so i it's not a it's not a kind of case of and that was the the thing that people told me after that was that i was top of the final fantasy 10 streaming list for a day like people That's streaming insane. that there were about like 150 people streaming and on that day i was at the most of any any individual person and i was in a yeah, openly abdl stream <laughs> um but yeah the um the whole that whole thing was so mad to me and another one of those moments where like you know, you're asking about big moments in the streams or how it felt like that stream where so many people joined, so many people came to see it. Um, people donated bonkers amounts of money to help me help me out. Um, you know, that was that was a huge deal for me personally. And yeah, it still is like I still, you know, I want to do another story stream. I will have one coming up on the 3rd of July uh, to do Final Fantasy X-2 of all things. Um which will be, well, um, which will be an are you doing 100% complete? Are you getting no, 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 no. I will be getting the mascot dress here, but 100% complete requires two playthroughs of the game. So um, it will oh, be, oh. it will be, um, it will be uh, 98. I think it is. You can do in one playthrough percent completion, pretty much. Um, so that will be my my main focus, and I won't be doing some parts of the game uh like notably um yeah like uh i'll be doing some of the the like what's it called the the coin flip game i can't remember fear break i'll be doing some of that um and i'll be doing i won't be doing any blitzball because blitzball a doesn't give you any completion and is garbage intend to and i won't be doing uh any of I, I won't be doing much of the via infinito, which is the like end game bosses because or the end game extra bosses because they're just too hard, um, and it will take for ages to grind to get to them, and they don't give you episode complete, so I don't contribute to your completion score. And what else won't I be doing for that? Um, I, don't, I think that might be it. I mean, oh, uh, the the creature arena is also something I won't be focusing on, but I will be doing a couple of them. Oh yeah. But that's that's it really. Like otherwise, I'll be. I've got the strategy guide, um, and I will need it for that game. <laughs> you uh, will need it for that game. T- ten, I know off by heart, and could play virtually on the back of my hand. Ten to, I know very well and know how to play the game to get to that point. But I would miss something without it. There's so oh, many yeah. things no. you have to be careful not to miss. Final Fantasy games can be like that. Like there's just some Final Fantasy games where. It's because they did an era of like trying to increase strategy guide sales. And also, and also completion as a thing. Like yeah. people were really into getting 
100% completions. And you can tell this in the fact that Final Fantasy X-2 included in its save files a percentage completion marker. And it's the first Final Fantasy to do that. Um, after that, Final Fantasies have it, I think, pretty much as standard. Um, I, I don't think, think 13 did. Did 13 not have it? I feel like it No, did. I think there was a lot. There was oh, an wait, option, no, I think, to complete the journal. But yeah. on no, the save file 13, itself. Yeah, on the save file itself, no. But 30, because it ran off the PS3 save file system, which was just an image with some basic stuff yeah. that you saved it into, so it couldn't do that. But yeah, back when when save save file systems had their own menu within the PS2 where you had to actually go into a saving menu rather than the console's hard drive. <laughs> it was... Um, yeah. Because that's now the case for everything. Like you save, and it just says, "Oh, the console. You want to save to the hard drive, console's hard drive, right? Not a memory card." Um, so some advantage. Yeah, memory, like, I've lost all my memory cards now, uh, which is sad. But oh. like, I don't know if it's better or for worse that like consoles have hard drives. Um, it's real. I just real. wish there's an easier way to transfer data. Over. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's just another part of my hobbies, I guess. Um, but yeah, so that, that's what I'm doing for streaming. No. Yeah. I, I find it interesting. I've thought about doing streams myself. I don't have the good setup right now. Yeah, same here. I I was I was I know in a few of the first episodes or in another in a few of the episodes I was like ah it's, I do Twitch streaming or do Twitch and I've never gotten around to it. I I kind of want to get an Elgato because I feel like I'd rather just play Switch games instead of like like doing PC games, although I feel like I could do some live streaming like Final Fantasy fourteen, but uh that's mostly just I feel like that would mostly just be busy work just to keep my mind occupied enough. So like if and I would really would like to just be able to talk with chat, but I you also gotta be you also kinda gotta be a bit engaging and able to like just play by yourself and not have to like constantly be looking at chat, wouldn't you say? I mean, the, the first thing I would always say to anyone who wants to start streaming is, A, do it, and B, yeah. the, the, the other thing is just, the, the, the way I always try and say to people is, play the game and say what you're thinking. That's it. Yeah. Just do that. Like, if you, if you start playing the game and you find yourself unable to talk because you, you don't feel comfortable doing it, then just hum along a tune. Fill the silence with something, right? And just keep keep doing that for a while on stream, and that will get you through the first kind of stage of streaming, which is building your confidence up to be able to keep doing it on a regular basis. Never look at the audience numbers because they don't matter. Like you, like fundamentally, even if you have zero people in the stream, getting experience of just feeling comfortable doing it is going to be worth a hundred times the amount of having someone in chat. You just want to get into that yep. feeling. And then, then you can start saying to yourself, okay, I feel more confident. I'm going to start really promoting it. I'm going to start pushing it. I'm going to start going onto Twitter and saying, I'm doing this. Please come in and check it out. Asking other streamers to give you a boost. Asking other streamers to raid or auto-host you. Like, then you start doing those things. And it's, it's really a case of what I, would dis- what I commonly call cultivating an audience. You basically say to yourself, right, okay, this is the foundation I'm going to lay or the seeds I'm going to plant. How do I go about growing that? And for me, I was lucky. I kind of had that already from Twitter before I started streaming. So I already had a kind of baseline. But 
if you're not streaming already and you're not a content creator already, that's going to be more difficult. So you have to think about what you're going to do to cultivate that audience and what you're going to do to grow it slowly over time. And there are some people who naturally do it very well, some people who, who will do that easier than others. But it doesn't make your streams better or worse based upon the number of people you have in them. Do stream what you want to stream, make content that you want to make, and just you, you should be able to, to feel happy from then on. There are some people who have been streaming for two to three years who have never reached affiliate, but will keep doing it because they like it. And that, to me, is what you should be aiming to do. Um, reaching affiliate is a lovely goal, and I try and help support new streamers to get to that goal myself. Um, because I think that it's a huge deal, mainly because it then you know gets you a couple of people to sub, and you feel like you're you're making it. But it's it's really kind of key to just get started, and that's you know putting pen to paper or making a video or anything like that always just requires you to just sit down and go, I am doing this now. And that's, that's really it. And same for every content creation. I a hundred percent agree. Like I, I don't know how to make a good podcast. I'm learning, but I'm doing the podcast. Would you, I, I, I would, I feel like our, some our, people, our, our podcast is trash. Fire. No, our, Hey, listen. All right, I've I've had some it's people say right. it's a growing. You've done thirteen episodes, right? Or you're doing the thirteenth. So. Yeah. So that's thir- listen. That's thirteen weeks we've been at this, and I yeah. I've gotten I have gotten messages from people saying, "Wow, you you have a really cool podcast." You know, we're 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 cultivating a following. We're getting there. Yeah. We uh, what is it? I yeah. just checked. I just checked Podbean. Hold on. I think we're at like we're almost. The stats time. We're getting close to a thousand. We're getting close to nine. I'm sorry, not a thousand. We're getting close to nine hundred downloads. Uh, that's huge. So that's a big deal. Like you. Well, you know, yeah, it's it's a pretty big deal. We've got twenty followers on Podbean, eight hundred sixty nine downloads on the Podbean. Nice. Site. Yeah, nice. Um, Did it. Eventually, we can get the number to sixty nine, sixty nine, which would be even more nice. No, so, no, I'm not saying that the podcast is bad. What I'm saying is that, like, there comes a point where you're going to be self-conscious about the art that you make, and you are going to have to suffer through the idea of just giving that out to people because it's going to suck at first. There's going to be a lot of tension in your, yourself. There's going to be a lot of nerves. And you have to kind of put it out there because when you make your mistakes, it's okay to make mistakes. You'll learn from them. Oh, yeah. One one thing I've, I've, I look back on, like, on my Final Fantasy X stream, which is really funny to me, is, like, that stream is extremely special, but I had one of the worst overlays I have ever seen on Twitch. I have, like, literally, I look at that and go, what the hell was I doing? There is stuff all over the place. None of it makes sense. Chat is tiny. Like, it's, it's unreadable. It, it does, you know, I don't know why I even bothered having it at all. Um, you know, it's, you know, I would have wanted chat there, but I would have wanted it to be far bigger or have taken it off or put it to one side properly. And it's just, what was I doing, <laughs> you know? And the point is, is that, well, I didn't know what to do yet. And I didn't know how I wanted to do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you, you will find things that you're work. Going to make up, you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. Yeah. You're going to learn from them. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with not having those tools or not having those things at the start. You know, I didn't have an overlay to start with at all. Um, but the... 
you know, over time, I've now gotten to the point where I feel confident creating my own with other people and, you know, having fun with it. Um, and you'll get there. Like, these are things that you'll explore and, and do on streams. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I think that is the kind of, when you're saying, like, start Twitch streaming, start anything, really, actually. It's just, just do it sometimes. Sometimes you just got to... Because I, I think I noticed that with with Sometimes maybe with Shia LaBeouf was right. Yeah. Well, yeah. You sometimes you just gotta do it. You just gotta start at it. Because I noticed that a lot with a lot with some with some things that I do is I'll sit there and think about things. I have a I have some things that I really want to do, and I know if I don't start doing them, I'm just going to sit there and keep thinking, 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 thinking about it. I'm, that's not going to get me anywhere. You need to spend, well, what is it? Uh, I forget the proportions. Too long. I, well, I forget the proportions. I think it's two thirds. Yeah. So I think with any sort of project, depending on how you're looking at it, you want about two thirds two-thirds planning and uh, one-third execution, or uh, that might be the other way around. But I think that I think the two-thirds planning and one-third execution sounds about right because you want to uh, you want to have a lot of time. You want to have a lot of time to plan it, but you also you just kind of want to do it. Uh, and with, with this kind of with this kind of medium, it's not like, you know, you, you put out one thing and you're done and like, oh my god, you're so great. You're, it's a I, it's a constant process and you're going to make mistakes, but you've got to, you got to learn from them and you, it's just a matter of growing and keeping at it and a lot of consistency. It's how I feel like that's how a lot of us have grown into this community which has just been consistently active in it. That's how we were able yeah. to grow this podcast is consistently recording and posting and making our presence known and making stupid tweets. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe, Baby for maybe twitter.com slash baby for cast will tweet out um, the word piss and it's just going to be a good time. All right. Uh, That's going to date this episode if, if y'all actually follow the Twitter. <laughs> yeah. If you want to look at the Twitter, you can figure out when we God. record. It's pretty, God damn, that was pretty clear when we record, but. God damn, not even 30 seconds after I tweeted that, someone already liked and retweeted it. Shout out to uh, uh shout out to Angel Essence Four on Twitter for like fucking staring at the feed until something popped up. Damn. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> I think yeah, I think uh, I think that actually that might just about do it. Don't you think? There's one more question that I'm gonna give Jimmy time to think on this because um, I I'm interested in knowing what's your what's what's the full uh the philosophy question you would like people to hear the most. Not the answer, like, the question. Question I would most like to hear people ask. I th it's difficult because I just want people to ask questions in general. I mean, the... Honestly, I would like, considering it's my area of expertise, so I'm massively biased in this respect, but like asking more questions about how we as you know we as human beings interact with and engage with our environment and how that impacts people with disabilities or how that impacts neurodiverse people 
because I say that mainly because of the fact that A, it's what I did for my thesis for my master's. Like it, it's just an area that I know a fair bit about now. And I always feel like it's underrepresented within philosophy itself. There aren't that many neurodiverse people who engage with philosophy because philosophy is kind of the antithesis to a neurodiverse way of thinking. Yeah. In a it, lot of ways. Ethereal in a lot of ways. Um, Not extremely real. Yeah. It's all pie in the sky, nothing really tangible. Some some for some neurodiverse people it's incredibly interesting and it works, but for a lot of the time it's it's the exact antithesis to the kind of ADHD or or dyslexic or um you know, autistic experience when you're trying to get grounding philosophy is the least helpful thing in the world. Um, but in terms of helping and supporting people's rights or in terms of helping and supporting making people happier, philosophy has answers to those questions. And I think in a lot of ways, bringing neurodiverse people to the table on that is something I would want to see more of and for more people to ask about. So yeah, let's go with that. More, more inclusivity okay. and more representation. Yeah, but certainly yeah. within I mean, philosophy is notoriously unrepresentative of the wider, the wider world. Um, there's a famous quote from a philosopher called Charles Mills, who's a Jamaican American. He would go to philosophy conferences, and he famously once stood up and said that the uh, an- Antarctic ice would melt and go brown quicker than the philosophy. Uh, meetings would get browner and <laughs> more, uh, yeah. more colored people would join. Like, it's, it's you know, it was basically a case of, like, he was frustrated that so few people of color were engaging with the... Well, not that they were engaging with the subject, but being allowed to continue to engage with the subject because they have so little access to it. And I think that, you know, he got lucky and he, he always felt like people were, you know that the subject was just not appealing to people of color because it was so, so Caucasian. <laughs> like it is such a Caucasian-focused subject in the in the West, and yeah, like, it's not surprising that people of color are put off by it. Um, but again, same applies to neurodiverse people. You know, there are a lot of things that put them off, and philosophy is just full of straight, white, overly old men who think too much of themselves, he says as a 30-year-old philosopher. Um, uh, well, white, I think it also, yeah, yeah. I, I think that it also is a a very important thing to uh, to have in at least academic wise to have in the the concept because it gives us to start start thinking on thinking differently. Yeah, uh, I know I went to I went to school for an engineering degree and for I think I missed the idea that uh, things have to have concrete answers, but I know that. I tend to be that says, well, concrete answers are something that is really good for science, but they're terrible for running society. Oh, yeah. There's no correct answer. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that don't have concrete answers, but that you need concrete solutions to. And I think that that's yeah. where people that's where people trip up, which is that they confuse concrete answers with concrete solutions, and you know. Philosophy doesn't deal in concrete answers, but it does try and give concrete solutions. And it does try and say, well, look, try this, do this, you know, have a, you know, you, living your best life can be about doing X. Um, you know, having a moral and ethical compass is important. This is how you go about having it. But they're more general and they're not designed to say this is the answer. They're designed to say this is how you find the answer. Um, 
and you know science it's, it's why it's you know philosophers will constantly go on about how it's the basis for all modern science because they'll basically go yes we ask the questions and science has always tried to answer them and i'm thinking well that's you know doing your entire subject too much credit now but it used to be the case <laughs> all right yeah. uh jimmy thank you for coming on this uh i know that it's been oh. interesting getting, getting the recording going but yeah i think do you have do you, do you want to repeat your plugs again that way people know where to find yeah, sure. you if they for some reason lost yes so, yeah, if you if you want to check out some of my stories, uh, a good place to go now that I'm posting them publicly, because I've been doing Patreon for a year, is my Fair Affinity page, which is uh, www.fairaffinity.net forward slash user forward slash Jimmy Wolf 2007. Um, for my uh, Patreon page, it's www.patreon.com forward slash Daddy Waster. Um, there you can find more short stories, a year's worth of them, um, as well as an audiobook um, of a story a month. And yeah, that's that's my plug. Oh, and my Twitch stream is uh, Jimmy Wolf Gaming. Uh, so so twitch.tv forward slash Jimmy Wolf Gaming. All right, good mm-hmm. stuff. Good now stuff. Now it's time for our plugs. Yeah, good stuff, Mr. Wolf. Um, yeah. <laughs> So uh, I've been Fluffy Nate. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Fluffy Nate, or uh, I also tweet from the Baby Furcast Twitter, so twitter.com slash Baby Furcast. And, yeah, that's about it for me. Hi. I I don't do much much outside of that. (laughs) I'm Speller underscore 19 on Twitter. Uh, I tend to also tweet from the Baby Furcast now and then. Uh, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash babyforecast. Uh, there we have multiple tiers. We're gonna re, we're gonna try and, we're still trying to figure out the tiers and everything. So, well, please be patient with us while we figure out what works the best. Uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say we're, we're looking into finding some more incentives, uh, and we're definitely open, open to suggestions. Uh, we've been thinking maybe writing stories, little short stories of our own, or, uh, other sorts of things. Obviously, if you want to see me in a cheerleader outfit, uh, go sub to our Patreon. Uh, our goal is at least 10 patrons, and then you get to see me in a diapered cheerleader outfit. I know, did we agree to this? We agreed to this last week, didn't yeah. we? Oh, no, I, I added the goal, yeah. You, you, oh, did you, put the, did you put the goal in there? Yeah, I did. All right, then. I so, did that yeah. while we were recording the podcast. So we're currently 20% of the way there. Uh, and if you'd like to contribute, again, patreon.com slash babyforecast. You can also get access to our Discord server. You can hang out with us in there. Uh, I, I know I plan on probably trying to be more active in this, in this, uh, in this Discord server's VC, just so, like, I don't know, because I I'd like to hang out with more people uh, in that regard. Um. And yeah, uh, other sorts of things. So $3 a month, you can get access to that dis- this Discord server. $5 a month, you get access to unedited unedited versions of our podcast. Uh, like this week, we talked a little bit about some fun little topics before the show, uh, like race cars um, and stuff. Cars go vroom. Car go vroom, yeah. So uh, if you want to hear that, you know, and, other, and our other uh, episodes, uh, 
like uh like our talks with Jazzy or our extended version of the diaper tier list, which was a very that was a long and that was a long one, folks. You get a lot of good mm-hmm. content out of that. And then ten dollars a month gets you an entire bonus episode on top of that each month. Uh, this month was this uh next month's already this next month's episode has already been recorded uh with a friend of ours, with a friend of mine, uh, which is gonna be interesting to say the least. Uh we'll say. But uh yeah, uh if you want more baby forecast, go to patreon.com slash baby forecast. Right. Again, Jimmy, thank you for joining us. And now it's time that we cut and run. <laughs> Is that what you talk about when they fart? That- um, <laughs> yeah, uh, obvious all right. No, yeah. Uh thanks thanks for watching folks. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh now to tune us out. I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking blurt my shorts. <laughs>